Praise the Lord. Uh, good to be here with you. Let us turn to John chapter 19. We're going to be reading from verse 28 through 30. John chapter 19, verses 28 through 30. Later, knowing that all was now complete, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of vine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it and put the sponge on the stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it up to Jesus, Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Amen. Today is Good Friday, the day that Jesus was crucified on the cross. And even though we observe Good Friday every year around this time, we surely cannot take this as an yearly event. We must remember and be reminded of the power of the cross. On this day, we want to meditate upon the power of the cross so that we can experience it in our hearts, in our family, in our church, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we meditate upon the cross, I want us to contemplate, contemplate deeply what the cross has done for us. As Jesus said in his final breath, it is finished. Then what is finished? What did Jesus finish through the cross? And as we look into this text, let us think about that. There are two major things he has accomplished through the cross. First, forgiveness and also freedom. Forgiveness and freedom. Jesus, as the ultimate sacrificial lamb of God in behalf of our place, died on the cross to pay the wage of sin and we might, and we might receive the forgiveness of sins which will lead us into salvation. The cross has accomplished forgiveness of sin. The question is then, how was forgiveness done on the cross? What is the mechanism of forgiveness? It is very important for us to think about how death of Christ on the cross brings forgiveness of our sins. And there are three things to consider. First is this concept of substitution concept of substitution through the cross Jesus replaced replaced us with himself we call this concept the penal substitution taking our place of judgment and punishment in behalf of us as the substitutionary atonement in order for us to grasp this concept I think first we must acknowledge that we are all sinners as Romans chapter 3, verse 10 and 12 says, There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away and they have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Under the sun, there is no one righteous. We are all sinners and the penalty of sin is death not merely physical death 
but the spiritual death according to the scripture. And out of his love for us, Jesus, who had no sin, became sin for us in behalf of us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You know, Martin Luther, in a family, in his own family devotion, once read the account of Abraham offering Isaac on the altar in Genesis chapter 22. And his wife, Katie, actually said, I cannot believe it. God would not have treated his son like that, offering as a sacrifice. But Katie, the Luther replied, he did. He did. 5,000 years ago, as Abraham went up to the mountain and took his son and offered his son as a sacrifice to God, we all know the story. In the nick of time, God stopped him and said, I myself will provide. And 2,000 years ago, God kept that promise. He took his own son, Jesus Christ. And this time, hands did not stop. That was the crucifixion. Jesus replaced our seed of judgment and punishment on the cross. And unless we accept the Son God has provided, unless we accept the Son, the, the Son God has provided, we will sacrifice our own sons, just like this woman named Aliel. Aliela. Aliela stood on the beach holding her tiny infant son close to her heart. Tears welled in her eyes. She began slowly walking toward the river's edge. She stepped into the water, silently making her way out until she was waist deep. The water gently lapping at the sleeping baby's feet. She stood there for a long time, holding a child tightly as she stared out across the river. Then all of a sudden, one quick move, movement, she threw the six-month-old baby to his watery death. Native missionary named M.V. Virginis often witnesses along the crowds who gather at the Ganges. It was he who came upon Aliela that day, kneeling in the sand, crying uncontrollably, beating our hearts. With compassion, he knelt down next to her and asked her what was wrong. Through her sobs, she told him, the problems in my home are too many and my sins are too heavy on my heart. So I offer the best I have to the goddess Ganges, my firstborn son. The missionary Vegas heart ached for des- this desperate woman. As she wept, he gently began to tell her about the love of Jesus and that through him her sins could be forgiven as Jesus took the sins of the world in her behalf. And she looked at him strangely and said, I have never heard that before. And she replied through her tears, Why couldn't you have come 30 minutes earlier? If you did, my child would not have had died. 
My brothers and sisters, if we do not accept the Son that God has provided, whom replaced us and died on the cross for the forgiveness of sins, you and I, we will have to deal with sins ourselves, which has no answer or no solution. Through the cross, Jesus replaced our seat of condemnation and death with his seat of mercy and life. Secondly, on the cross, Jesus received the judgment. And this is the concept of propitiation. Propitiation. As he replaced his righteousness with our sin, he received God's wrath on the cross for us to appease God's anger towards sin. That's why the John the baptizer shouted when he first encountered Jesus, Look, the Lamb of God who takes the sins of this world. So you see, the, in the Old Testament system, the animal was sacrificed to appease God's judgment towards sin. But on the Calvary, Jesus was sacrificed to pay the wage of sin to appease God's holy anger. His work on the cross was to appease God's wrath, and it did indeed. And that's the concept of propitiation. Jesus receiving the punishment of God for the payment of sin. Just like the Romans 3.25 says, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Some might wonder why Jesus had to receive God's wrath. Why can God just save us from sin and death just like this. But I tell you, my brothers and sisters, God cannot just pardon and save people from their sin because justice must be served. God cannot let sin slip away. It must be judged accordingly, according to the justice of God. It must be this way because God is perfectly holy and His holiness must be satisfied fully through the upholding justice. Every sin must be condemned and punished. That's why Jesus became sin for us, to receive the punishment of God. The prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Jesus received the punishment of God in order to satisfy God's holiness and justifies, justify us. But remember this, my brothers and sisters. As A.H. Strong said, God requires satisfaction because he is holiness. But he makes satisfaction because he is love. Jesus received 
our punishment. Thirdly, there is the idea of reconciliation. Jesus reconciled us to God. The concept of reconciliation is based on relationship. There was a broken relationship between us and God because of sin. But as Jesus paid for the price of sin, our relationship with God was reconciled. That's why Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 5, verse 10, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son. Because God has given, forgiven us through the cross, now we can be reconciled to God. Now we can fully connect to God and have loving relationship with God in Christ forever. Jesus has reconciled us to God through the cross, granting us the forgiveness of sin. And that is what forgiveness is all about. Substitution, propitiation, and reconciliation. That is what forgiveness is is all about on the cross. Now, the second accomplishment of the cross is freedom. Freedom. Because of the cross, we are now free from the power of sin and death. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 and 9 says, But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? You see, we are free from the power of sin. No more we should be suffer under the power of sin. You know what that means? It means if we believe in Jesus Christ, the power of the cross is upon us now that we can actually overcome our sin as we struggle through it and against it. And you might ask, why do we still struggle? I thought we are no longer under the power of sin. We are free from the power of sin and death, but why do we still struggle? Well, we are f- free from the power of sin, but we are still, we are not free from the presence of sin in this fallen world. That's why we still struggle. We encounter temptation because of the weakness of our flesh and we still are tempted and we are still struggling through temptations. But because we have the freedom from the power of sin, we are free from the power of sin, now we can actually, with the power of the Holy Spirit, overcome the sins that we struggle in our lives. You have a freedom. We have a freedom. We are free from the power of sin and death, as the Bible says. Amen? Now, secondly, we are free from the power of the devil, power of, the, power of Satan. If you look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 7 through 8, he says, Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the, of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. 
the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Notice John is pointing out, Apostle John is pointing out, the reason the Son of God, the Jesus appeared, was to destroy the devil's work. And on the cross, as he paid the price of sin, now we are free from the power of the devil. Through the cross, we are no longer under the power of the devil and its work. We are free from the bondage of this world. But the problem is many of us, even though we might know that we are free from the power of the devil, we still don't live like one. We are still fearful and scared. And we are still timid to live by faith. And we don't, sometimes we don't even, we even forget that we have the freedom. Well, President Abraham Lincoln signed, if you remember, Emancipation Proclamation on September 22, 1862. The moment it went to the effect on the January 1st, 1863, every slave living in the United States was legally free. But you know what's the, what was the problem? Until they knew of their freedom, the legal fact had no impact on their lives. In fact, the Union soldiers carried hundreds and thousands of copies of proclamation and passed them out as they made their way through the South during the war. Even though the proclamation was made, it had no impact on the people's lives because they did not know they are free. As Christians, our freedom has been proclaimed on the cross. That's what the crucifixion symbolize. We are free from the power of the devil. I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, we need to remember that. And when we remember and believe, the impact of that proclamation will be real to us in our lives. Then we can live a life with full of power and full of victories in our lives. Christ has set us free from the power of sin and we must recognize that fact and live like it. In Christ, we can live in confidence and power. That's why Paul urges us to conform no longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of our mind Then we'll be able to know what is right and what God's will is. Then we'll be able to live with confidence and power. We are free from the power of the devil. Amen. Also, we are free to approach God as our Holy Father. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Yes, through the reconciliation work on the cross, we have the right to have a relationship with God. Now the Bible clearly says in John chapter 1, verse 20, uh, verse 12, it says, whoever believes in Jesus Christ has, 
has power, has a right to become the children of God, a child of God. If you're a believer of Jesus Christ, you are reconciled to God. And now we are free to love God, free to call God our Father. Do you know that we have a relationship with God? We can freely approach God as our Holy Father. As a father, I have two daughters. And whenever I try to work or read or, or do something, usually I don't want to be bothered by some people. I don't want to be hindered. But when my two children need something, no matter what I'm doing, even, even, even if I'm sleeping and even if I'm studying, even if I'm in the middle of eating, they always approach me. And when they approach, I always try to answer to them. Whatever that their needs, I want to meet their needs. Even earthly father like myself can try or want to at least to meet the needs of our children. How much more than God will meet our needs when we go to him and approach him and cry out to him. And that was all possible because of the crucifixion, because of the cross. We are free to approach God as our Holy Father. And I urge you and encourage you to approach God, especially times like this in our national crisis. Approach him. You are free to do so. He's more than willing to meet your need and meet where you are. We are free to love God. Amen? Moving on. We are also free to love one another with true love because of the cross. As we experience the love of God, now in His love, we can love other fellow men and brothers and sisters and people around us with his love. That's why 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 said, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And all this is possible because of the cross. Now, as we are being reconciled to God through the cross, as we become the children of God, now with his love, we can love other people. We can love our family with true love. We can love our, our friends and families and people around us with the love of Christ. It's all possible. Now we are free to love one another with true love because of what Christ has done for us on the cross. So two things Jesus accomplished on the cross. Forgiveness and freedom. You are forgiven. We are forgiven. You are free, and we are free because what Christ has done for us on the cross. And today, we are here to celebrate that. Now, how do we respond to the cross? Knowing all this, there is freedom, there is forgiveness as we come before the cross. How do we respond to the cross? First, we respond with faith. We respond with faith. John chapter 14, verse 1 says, Don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. 
The context of John 14 is this. Before he was, uh, before, he was, before he was, being, he was about to be crucified, he gathered his disciples and, during, and had a last supper, as we know. And then he actually teaches for his last session. And this is one of his teachings. And he was basically saying, I'll be away from you soon as I go to the road of crucifixion. But do not, be, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. Believe in my word. And he goes on and says, I shall come back. I will rise again. And you will see me again. And Jesus said, believe in God also. Believe in me. How do we respond to the cross? We are to believe the work of the cross. What Christ has done for us. Do you believe? Do you truly believe that what Christ has done for us? Grant us the forgiveness and the freedom that we can never be the same again, that we can actually live a life full of power and meaning and purpose and confidence, especially in times of trouble and crisis like this. Because what Christ has done for us on the cross, do you believe that? But what does he mean by believing? I think a lot of people ask that question. And I will actually have to ask all of us that question. Because many people in this country claim that they are Christians. According to the stats, about more than 60% of the U.S. population supposedly to be Christians. Many people, including Christians, however, misunderstand the meaning of faith, meaning of believing. What does it mean by believing? I'll tell you this, my brothers and sisters, faith is not just knowing. Or faith is not just believing in your mind or in your heart. The faith is actually following, following. Look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, 25. He says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And for whoever, save, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me, for my sake, will find it. The key word is here, follow me. If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. A lot of times, following is the picture of faith. You see, following requires action. As faith is an action, acting upon what we believe. See, Christian life is not easy, I know. Things are not easy in this life. But by faith, we hold on to the word of God and we obey the word of God because we have faith. And that's what faith means. The faith means we follow Christ. We follow in our action. We follow in our lifestyle. Follow in our attitude. We become more like Christ. That's what faith is all about. That's what believing is all about. It's not just believing in your head, knowing I know who Jesus is. Even Satan, even the demons know who Jesus is. But they don't follow his ways. They don't follow, you, follow him. But if we have faith in Christ... That's what it means. We follow him because faith 
is following. Faith is a way of life. We act upon what we believe. We respond with faith. Do you want to follow Jesus? Christian is those one those who not only believe in him, those who follow Jesus. Are you following Jesus? As we look upon the cross today, it is my prayer that you will commit yourself once again to follow him, follow his ways, follow his word, obey his word, and trust his word. And the Spirit of God, let the Spirit of God work within our hearts, in our life, as we continue to follow Jesus Christ. Amen. So we respond with faith. Second, we respond to the cross with gratitude. With gratitude. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 56 and 57 says this, The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, thanks be to God. That's what cross is. The cross gives us victory in Christ. As we are forgiven, as we are free from bondage of sin and death, now we can have victory in our lives. Knowing that Paul says, thanks be to God, we give thanks for what he has done for us. As we believe what Christ has done for us on the cross, we are to give thanks to him. Our attitude should be gratitude. Are you thankful? Especially as we celebrate Good Friday, as we look upon the cross once again, as we think about what He has done for us, what He has accomplished for us, the forgiveness and the freedom. Are you thankful? As we believe and follow Him, He grants us His loving care and relationship with Him. Are you thankful? However, so many times, instead of being grateful, we are full of complaints in our hearts and life, especially when we are facing difficult times. Right now, we are going through, as a nation, the crisis of coronavirus situation. I know that a lot of us, we are still quarantined at home, and it's very tough especially when weathers are nice outside. It's very tough to just stay home and feel like, man, what, when is this going to be end? And a lot of times in that kind of moments, we are so easily tempted to be full of complaints. But my brothers and sisters, know this, the gratitude leads us to a life without grumbling. If, if we understand the cross, if you look upon the cross, if you are thankful for the cross, we can stay away from grumbling and complaining. Look at Philippians chapter 2. Let me read a couple of verses. It says, verse 5, 
in your relationship with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Have same mindset as Christ Jesus. What was the mindset of Jesus? Verse 8, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. And knowing that, how Christ died on the cross, Verse 12, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Continue to follow Christ, right? Continue to work out your salvation. Continue to increase your faith. Continue to activate and live by faith. And verse 14, this is how the, the following Christ is all about, how the working out the salvation looks like. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, the children of God without fault in, a, in, a, in this crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. What Paul is saying is this, have same minds as a Christ, especially when you are in relationship with other people. How, what was Jesus Christ? How, how he, he, said, he said he humbled himself and even death on the cross. Therefore, as we work out our salvation through faith, we do it without complaining, without grumbling, without arguing. The attitude of gratitude. We should respond to the cross with gratitude. Let us fix our eyes on the cross once again today and remember what Christ has done for us. Then our hearts will be filled with gratitude and thanksgiving that's why good friday is so so important to us not only we are contemplating what christ has done for us but as we are doing so we start to believe in him once again and as we activate our faith and believe him our hearts will be filled with the gratitude that we can do everything without grumbling and arguing that's how we should follow christ working out our salvation with fear and trembling. Our hearts will be filled with the gratitude and thanksgiving as we fix our eyes on the cross. For us, my brothers and sisters, today is a good Friday. For Jesus, today was the day that he was crucified. But for us, it was a day of salvation. It was a day of forgiveness, day of freedom. And it is my prayer as we look upon the cross, we will respond with faith and the heart of gratitude. And when we do so, we can truly, truly understand what it means to be His people, following His ways, being His children. It is my prayer on this Good Friday. Let us look upon the cross let us draw near to God and let us believe Him, commit ourselves to believe Him and give thanks. Let's pray.